0: Welcome to Up Close and Empowered with host Sana Johns. Over the next hour, you'll hear from Sana and her guests on how you can become more empowered through life's most challenging situations. Sana's journey through her own transformation has inspired her to awaken you to your divine power. Hi, everyone.
1: I'm Sana Johns on Up Close and Empowered. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that after hearing some of the stories of my guests and their courage, that it will inspire you and empower you in some way, and realizing that you have the power to overcome life's most difficult challenges. And today's guest is a true testament to this. And I am really honored and excited and inspired to have. Heather on the show. And I'll tell you a little bit about her. So when I met her, I met her recently at a gathering uh, at the She Hive. So She Hive is a women's organization. It's a platform for community and workshops. And it's uh just a, a great little organization nationwide. And so we met at this gathering, and I just remember her having this bright energy. She was just, you know, very positive, very grounded. And she started to tell her story. And I'm listening and my mouth was just like like really and and she wasn't done. I mean, she kept going on and on with her story and I I thought to myself, "Oh my god, like this woman has been through this much and she is has this positive energy about her." I was just floored. Truly I was. I was just blown away and I thought to myself, "In that moment, I have to have her on my show." So I'm so glad to have her here today. So just to tell you a little bit about her. So Heather Hall is a speaker, a writer, coach, and entrepreneur. Diagnosed with cancer first at age 21, Heather quickly learned the impact a positive mindset had on her life. Now a three-time cancer survivor, she is passionate about helping others transform their mindset during their most difficult challenges. She is a passionate change maker and meets with state and federal legislatures. She leads advocacy trainings. She's been interviewed about her work by the media, blogs, and much more. She's spoken at multiple events across the country. She's led sessions and programming programs relating to transforming your mindset. She also brings over two decades of experience in public relations, marketing, philanthropy, leadership, and advocacy in multiple industries, including healthcare, nonprofit, finance, and education. And she also owns a communications consulting firm, uh, firm, Three Oaks Media. For Heather, beyond cancer meant letting, not letting, this is what I love when I read her bio, she said she wasn't going to let this disease run her life or tell her how to live. And she had made that decision that she was going to live her life the way she wanted to. And she said, it's looking beyond cancer to find the simple joy and gratitude in every day and making choices based on creating the life that I wanted. And when she made this decision, she started receiving messages from cancer survivors, caregivers, but many other people that loved hearing her authentic story and also how authentic she was about sharing her good days and her bad days. And it helped them to relate to their challenges and help them to overcome their situations as well. So Heather believes that this is a reminder that we're all connected and that our messages of hope and optimism can make a positive impact in the world. She says, quote, It is a messy, sometimes terrifying, mostly beautiful, joyful, and wild life. And I appreciate and embrace every minute that I am blessed to be alive, unquote. I always get a little choked up when I read that. Oh my gosh. Um, So I want to welcome Heather Hall to the show today. Thank you so much, Heather, for being here. Thank you. What an introduction. I was like, who is that
2: woman you're talking about? Yeah, well, you deserve so, it. You deserve thank it. You know, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and, and have this conversation with you.
1: Yes. So I know there's a lot of people listening to the show today and people that have experienced, you know, either having this disease or knowing somebody that has. And, you know, your story is just so inspirational. And I want to uh, let the listeners know a little bit more about your your Background, like what? Where were you before age twenty-one when you're f- when you when you 1st got diagnosed? Tell us what your life was like. Sure, it was well. I was, you know,
2: in, in college, so living the life of a, a young adult college student. I was up at Central Michigan getting a degree in journalism, and I joined a sorority. I was in Alpha Omega, so really just loving life. To be frank with you, um, I grew up with two amazing parents, and I have two sisters. so I'm the middle middle daughter. Um, we're all super close. So between being in college and then coming home, um, I grew up in Clawson, small town, and you know, coming home and seeing my family and everything, it just life was really good. I had big plans for myself once I was graduating. Uh, you know, I'd set these goals for myself, and I was really excited to to get get on with my adult life.
1: Right, and and aren't you into horses? Wasn't that your passion?
2: Yes, yes, yes. I um. I think that was like the third word I said was horse. And so my parents um, really, they let me start riding horses when I was nine. Um, loved it. I actually, when I I think I was 12 or 13, my uh, horse trainer invited me to work out at the barn on Saturdays. So I always look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, like here I was, you know, 12, 13 year old, young girl. And I dedicated almost every single Saturday to being out at the barn. I would go out there and I would help, whether it'd be filling their water buckets or, you know, cleaning saddles or doing whatever. And I would earn another hour of riding or however, you know, long they, they would let me ride. And it really, just taught me so much responsibility and love, but that was my passion. I started riding hunter jumpers, so um, I didn't own my own horse, but thankfully, my trainer saw enough of a talent in me that she would go to other people who owned horses, and I started showing other people's horses and just really loved every minute. They were my um, they're, they're just my spirit animal to me. They're they symbolize beauty, freedom, calmness. I just loved everything about them. So, when I actually when I went off to college. Um, I looked it up, I found a farm that was close to the campus and I just asked them if I could come out and do something. I'm like, I will work for free. I will just do whatever. But if I could just be around the horses and they invited me out there, kind of watched me ride a little bit. And then I started going out there. I got to watch some of their babies be born. I saw some beautiful foals be born, like such a phenomenal experience. And by the time I was diagnosed, I was exercising racehorses too. So
1: a lot really phenomenal experience that I have had. So tell us about that when you did get diagnosed or what what happened? How did you know? What were the symptoms? What were you going through? Sure.
2: Um, well, I, you know, I was 21, so I had some random knee pain, often not in of my knee, but I was running probably four or five days a week I was riding horses probably three days a week at that point you know jumping 5 foot fences on a horse like all of these things and so it was kind of random pain it would come off and on in like the weirdest way and I could never quite describe the pain to my mom um even to this day, I, funny enough, 25 years later, I can still remember what it felt like, but it's hard to describe. But, you know, my mom, to her credit, she would make appointments with orthopedic doctors. And then I would call from college and say, sorry, I have a sorority function or I have an exam to study. And then she'd cancel. And this went on about four or five times until, you know, she said, let's just come when you're ready to come home, we will make an appointment for you. And then I went one day I was up at school and I rode horses. And when I dismounted, my knee gave out and I landed on my butt. And so I was like, Oh, that was awkward and embarrassing. I don't know what happened here. And then the next day I went running. And for the first time, it just my knee gave out. And it was really difficult Hmm. to get back to my apartment at the time. So of course, I called my mom all frustrated. And again, didn't think anything of it. We just assumed it was Being super active and probably injured it somewhere. So I went to a walk-in clinic up at the, off the campus and he took an x-ray, asked me if I'd ever had any issues. I said no. And it's interesting, you know, sitting in that clinic again, that, you know, young adult mindset where I was like, TikTok, I got things to do, you know, Mm because he came in and said, I'm going to send your x-ray across to the hospital just to get a second opinion. And I was like, okay, but you know, I got to go ride a horse. I got to go study for an exam. And he's like, okay. So he came in and told me that um, there was, they found, he found something on the x-ray and he asked me if I'd ever considered losing my leg. And, of course, you know, 21, and I was like, what? Wow. If you're 21 or however old you are, I mean, that's not typically a question you get asked. Now, he did say afterwards, because, of course, when I, I called my mom hysterical, but, you know, at the clinic crying because he said, we need to get you. He knew where I live. So he's like, we need to get you downstate so you can um, get in to see a specialist. And um, went home, and it turned out honestly, what really saved my life and my leg at that time was that he had done a residency in radiology, so he happened to could kind of know what he was looking at when he saw it on an X-ray, and apparently that doesn't typically happen or always happen. Mm-hmm. But it turned out that I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is an aggressive form of bone cancer. So within two weeks, I had had a biopsy and started chemotherapy. And for the next 13 months, I was in chemo and I had a I had three months of chemo and then and really intense, like really aggressive chemo. I was inpatient for every single treatment. So I would be admitted to the hospital on a Sunday. I'd go home on Thursday. The following, like Monday, I would be admitted, go home Thursday. The following Sunday, I'd be admitted and be, be dis, um, discharged the following Saturday. And then I would hopefully get three weeks off and then start it all over again. So I did three months of chemo and then I had um, was fortunate enough to be able to have a limb salvage. So he was able to save my leg. Um, they, he removed the upper part or the lower part of my, t- my femur and the upper part of my tibia and my knee and replaced that with titanium. And then I had more chemo just to kind of make sure all of the cancer was gone. So it was intense. Like I said, 13 months of fully of treatment. I had to learn how to walk again. I had over 30 blood transfusions in that time. It was crazy. So, but the good news that, I mean, the cool thing that happened was when I was diagnosed, I was three months shy of graduating from college and I had busted my butt to get through school in four years. And so um, I went to my advisor at the time and it turned out my advisor was a cancer survivor. And that was, he said, we're going to graduate like it's not I was going to
1: ask you if you were still in school at the time that you were doing this I and mean, yeah, so able I to did, keep up with everything.
2: Well, I ended I was supposed to do an internship um actually in Lansing and in um at, for a political party. And I was like, there's no way I can go. I'm in, I'm in patient treat, you know, inpatient treatment. Mm-hmm. So he was great. We just kind of rewrote my internship where I wrote papers instead, which was which was actually really cool for me because I was a journalism major. So I had no problem doing that. But I ended up graduating. I was in between chemo treatments. I had a wig on. I was on crutches. Um, I got my diploma through, you know, and that night my family packed me up, moved me home and I ended up in the hospital for 17 days with an infection.
1: So oh my gosh,
2: yeah, but wow. I got that degree. And thanks to my parents, I think the entire hospital knew I had that degree because they were so
1: proud and happy. <laughs> oh my gosh. And all at 21 years old. That is, yeah, yeah. it was a and- life
2: changing moment. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and I know that there's more to it. So so then what happened? Take us between, you know, the 21, the age 21, and then the next time that you were diagnosed.
2: Yeah. So um finished treatment and went on for a couple of years, you know, just kind of tried finding my way as a, a young adult cancer cancer survivor. So not only did I have the typical young adult things to face. I was facing, you know, being a cancer survivor also, but then a few years later, I was in my late twenties when I noticed, um, you know, I'm a redhead, fair skin, moles and freckles. So I noticed a change in, it looked like a change in a mole on my leg. Um, I went to my dermatologist. He, said it looked fine to him and I was like okay that's you know all right well you know whatever well a month later I thought no something like it looks just it looks like it's different it looks bigger it looks this so I went back in and I told him you have to take this mole out I'm not even if it comes back normal I'm just now I've stared at it and now I'm not comfortable with it so he took it out and lo and behold I got the phone call that it was melanoma in situ so in situ means that it was contained in the upper level of the um the mole in the skin. So I went back in and had a surgery. And then thankfully, that was it. I get monitored, you know, pretty regularly by a, a dermatologist to this day. Mm-hmm. And then life, you know, went on. And um, when I five years ago, um, in my early 40s, I went in for my annual mammogram. So a quick plug, please make sure you get your annual mammograms and don't, don't dismiss those. But I went in for my annual mammogram, and they found a shadow on the mammogram. So I went back in for Another, and then they wanted to do an ultrasound. And then um turned out that I had early stage one breast cancer at that point. So that mammogram saved my life. Um and with that, I that thankfully it was early. My doctor had told me that it was, you know, smaller than the size of a pea or half the size of a pea, but I ended up um doing chemotherapy four rounds of chemotherapy, outpatient, thankfully, and then 16 rounds of radiation.
1: Wow. So, like wow. That. Yeah. So where were you at that time? Were you married? What where, what happened with the relationship and your marriage? And sure. maybe talk a little bit about that, about how yeah. that impacted you.
2: Well, I was divorced at that point. So um, I was single. But you know what was interesting is I actually it really, that was a, a tough cancer. I mean, there, there's no easy cancer, but I, at that stage of my life, I felt like I had just rebuilt my whole life and I was in a really, really good place mentally, physically, emotionally. I felt like the healthiest in all those areas I've ever felt in my life. So to get that diagnosis was like a punch to the gut. And i just honestly felt like my whole heart shattered. It just, um, that one took a little bit of, uh, definitely had to dig deep within myself or the mental capacity and to really overcome that to say like, okay, this is it. And what are we going to do with it?
1: Right. But I remember you telling me that your life took a little bit of a change with your marriage and your relationship based on these illness, this disease that you had. And maybe you could share a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was thankfully, you know, pretty healthy when I was married, but it still, of course, played. I mean, all of my relationships, quite frankly, I mean, having cancer, it definitely impacts it. Right. Um, you're marriage you're or dating, whatever, because the thing is, is like, yes, we all have a history, but for me, especially having a rod in my leg, I do have some limitations. So when I meet someone who wants to go skiing or run a marathon, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, I can't do that. And so I do at times feel like I have to disclose a little earlier than maybe somebody else. And I also was unable to have children. So of course that impacted relationships and and my marriage, you know, just say having, we weren't able to have children. I mean, we definitely could have adopted or looked at those areas, but Mm -hmm. even that's hard to think about when people, I mean, a lot of people who are like, oh, you should just adopt or, oh, you know, do this. But the reality is not everybody's open to adoption, you know, for a cancer survivor and it's expensive. Uh And you're already going through a treatment that costs, I mean, thank God I had insurance, but I paid thousands of dollars out of pocket for my treatment. And that was with having really good insurance. So, you know, it's a big um, financial hit when you go through this type of stuff. It's just, it's a hit in a lot of different areas. And I think that's something that some people don't um, recognize and that's that's okay. Because if you haven't been through it, you're not really going to understand it. But it, it's it's a disease that even when you're out of treatment, you're it's still impacting your life,
1: right? And those around you, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it, it's um, got to affect the caregivers, the people in the family. I mean, I it's got to be so difficult.
2: It is, yes, yeah. Because in between all of that, um, my family's my family's been hit hard. My dad was diagnosed less than a year after my bone cancer diagnosis with late stage multiple myeloma. so he. Um, you know, made it six years before he died. And then one of my sisters and one of my nieces are also cancer survivors. So my, I always say, this is not just my cancer story. It is my family story. When I, when I come on and raise awareness and, and that's my passion is raising awareness to help others.
1: Right. And you do a, an incredible job at it. So well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back from the break, I want to hear about your mindset and how you decided that that was the only way you were going to get through this. And I want to hear more about your your plan, your determination, and the strong will that you do have. So we'll hear that right when we get back from the break.
3: Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Did you know you have the power to overcome any obstacles and create the life you desire? Listen for Up Close and Empowered with host Sana Johns. Sana has proven with nearly three decades of experience, it is totally possible to become stronger, more confident, and empowered to live a life of love, fulfillment, and success. It's through Sana's personal transformation that has inspired her to awaken you to your divine power. Up close and empowered with Sana Johns, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
3: Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast.
1: Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast.
3: If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts.
0: On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Virdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
3: Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
0: Welcome back to Up Close and Empowered with Sana Johns. Have a question for Sana or guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Up Close and Empowered. I'm Sana Johns and I'm
1: talking with Heather Hall today, three time cancer survivor. Uh, Before we get back into our show, I do want to put out there if there is someone that does have a question for Heather, I am going to give the number now 888 346 9141. Uh, That number is 888 346 9141. If there is something that you would like to ask, so we can take that call. But before we Uh, move on any further, what I wanted to ask you, Heather, is, you know, what was a typical day like when you were going through this? You know, the emotions, uh, relationships, just take us through what that's even like, because then we're going to get into the mindset and how you were able to overcome these challenges.
2: Yeah, you know, so going through it a few times, it was a very different experience. particularly being 21 where, you know, I was, I mean, yes, you're an adult at 21, but I, you know, had just was in college finishing college. I, you know, I was on my parents' insurance. I took my parents, I mean, thank God, like I, I can't express enough to you how amazing my parents were. I would, I would not have gotten through that experience without my parents. Um, and that was a very rough treatment. It was, Um, I was sick. I mean, I was so sick one week. I think I lost like six pounds, six or seven pounds in one week from being so violently ill. Um, You know, it was a lonely experience. I was, um, Mm -hmm. most of my friends were still in college and here I was, or they were getting jobs and moving on with their life. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm over here, bald and, you know, learning how to walk again and all of that. Mm So that one had a lot of its, um, you know, very hard, dark moments with it. I do think in some ways, I also, though, had the resilience of being young, where thinking, you know, which is interesting, because when I was diagnosed, I can be I will be totally upfront with you that I never thought I'm going to die. I remember thinking, well, this is going to suck. And okay, you know, I'm gonna have to just go through this and get through it. And then figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Like I had that, you know, even back then I had like some, somehow I was able to like, That optimism, or whatever it is that I had inside of me, thank goodness, like really blossomed in that moment because those dark places were dark and they were sad and they were scary. And um, I'm not gonna lie, it makes me kind of emotional just thinking back on that because I think I look at that young woman 25 years ago and I think, oh my gosh, you know, if I could go back and just give her a big hug and say, you got it. But that was, it was one of the things back then, I remember how vividly saying, when I survive this, like, I want to, I want to help other people and I want to live my life to the fullest. And so then fast forward to being in my early 40s, um, a different experience for sure, because I was, you know, divorced, so single, um, living on my own, you know, doing all these things. Now, I have a phenomenal support system, but it's still It's different, you know, when you're living on your own and doing all of this stuff. And like I said, it it took me so out of the blue. And it might sound funny because nobody ever expects, I think, to get cancer or any disease that they're going to get or whatever. But um, it was such a shock to me when I got that news that it was hard. I mean, I will probably say for the first week or two, I really struggled to get out of bed and I just felt shattered in a million different pieces. And then a couple of days, I was just laying in bed thinking, okay, I have to make a choice on what I'm going to do. I'm either going to lay here and make this the most miserable experience of my life, or I'm going to live beyond cancer and I'm going to choose to get up, you know? So infusion days, for instance, when I went through breast cancer treatment, I had four um, infusions. Um, They were one day like in the clinic, my mom or my sisters came with me. We made it fun we laughed. We were just like, okay, this is not, I actually cold cap to save my hair. So that's like a, um, it's basically like a frozen cap you put on your hair and it freezes your hair follicles to try to stop the chemo from going through. And I did that. And so I was able to save 60% of my hair. So that was a pretty good distraction during infusion day because I was so focused on, you know, how cold my head was, um, to get through that. But I thankfully had a job that was really, um, supportive and so understanding. But again, I mean, it still had its difficulties because I can't tell you, I I sat on my bathroom floor crying many days. I felt very lonely. Um, It was hard to get through. And then, you know, with breast cancer, mine was hormone estrogen positive. So I'm on an inhibitor. I had to go into surgical menopause. I had to go through all these things. And then you start... um, you start doubting yourself. You start having those feelings of unworthiness, like "Oh my God, who's ever going to want to date me?" Or, you know, mm-hmm. how can I overcome this? Or, you know, just that. Like you, I wish that when you finish treatment, it was all over. But it's not. It's just it's it's a form of PTSD. It's a form of there's certain restaurants I can't go to because I went there in between chemo treatments, and I was like, oh, no, I can't get there. I'll get there wow. somehow, but I have to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like
1: oh yeah. A little thing. I'm sure it's definitely a trauma. I mean, it, and it doesn't go away once you're healed, once you're cured. I mean, it's, it's something that impacts your life forever.
2: It does. It changes everything. And, you know, as I mentioned, like losing my dad was a very pivotal, incredibly painful moment. Of course, like I had the best dad ever and, Mm. um, he was just, he was such a good man. And so, and I will say that it was hard at times for me being, um, I had survivor's guilt for quite a while because here, you know, even the week before he died, I had gone in for my annual checkup with my oncologist and I got phenomenal news, right? Like, cancer, there's no sign of cancer, like everything's great. And I remember sitting in my parents' driveway thinking, oh, how do I go in and tell my parents, you know, that when we know at that point mm. that my dad's not going to make it? Now, thankfully, I remember my dad saying, he's like, don't even be that. Like your news actually gives me peace and all of that. And I remember when uh-huh. he was dying a couple of days before he said, do not let this cancer run your life. He's like, this can't, you know, cancer didn't kill me. I'm making the choice that it's time. And he's, you know, so I always appreciate that. And I remember him saying too, he's like, you have a smile that will change the world. So don't ever stop that smile. Don't ever do that. Sorry. I'm getting emotional. I'm just talking about him. No, I am it, like, too. No. <laughs> It was, um, yeah, so it's, you know, it was a big thing for me. And so for many years afterwards, I did, and I do so much still like with him in mind, you know, thinking like, this is what he would do. My parents, I mean, they raised us, my sisters and I to help other people and to really give back and serve in a positive way. And I also have learned that when we live our lives, whether it's me or you or anybody, but when we live our lives in a joyful way, when we live our lives in gratitude, it's contagious and it spreads. And and I think, and I remind myself sometimes of that, that the greatest gift I think I could give my dad and, and, and my mom, who's thankfully very healthy and spunky and very much alive. Um, she, you know, the greatest gift I could give to people and myself most importantly is, you know, focusing on living beyond this disease. I'm not going to let this disease run my life. I'm I'm going to run my life. And it all comes down to, I I really believe in choices. We all have a choice in how we react and respond to the things. So those are the things that I've
1: decided to do. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's really amazing. I mean, not only your smile, but your heart, like your heart is really into this and, You know, even though it has changed your life, it's also opened up a lot of really beautiful things for you. And the fact that you're helping people because I know that you have so many people that you've inspired and that reach out to you. And I know that you have you have like an online store. I mean, maybe you can talk about that for a minute in the blog. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that before we get into the mindset. But since yes. we're on that subject now, because I know that so many people do reach out to you and they they appreciate your support. So Maybe share a few of those places where people can go and, and get some information or maybe look at your uh, your store, your online store.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And thanks for bringing that up. So my store, it, so when I went through breast or actually my cancers, my life uh, mantra kind of became today I choose. And I use it, and what it really, really um, came alive for me when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Because as I mentioned, I mean, that first week or two after that diagnosis, I was just like, "Oh my god, what am I going to do? What, what is happening here?"
1: You know, I don't. And wasn't alive. that in the quarantine? Wasn't that? Well, it was in 19. Routine.
2: So it was, I finished treatment shortly before COVID hit. Okay. So okay. that was, you know, so that was another kind of mental punch, you know, where it's mm. like I went from treatment. And then I was like, Oh yes, I've got so much planned for 2020. I'm taken back, you know, like I'm taking the world on and then, <laughs> like, but you're going to do it from your living room. So, um, but so my mantra during that really became, I just was laying in bed and I thought finally, okay, you know what? I have a choice. I can, stay here in bed and be miserable for this. Or I can kind of say, you know, nope, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. And what is my choice? So every day I started asking myself, what am I choosing today? And I would answer myself today mm-hmm. I choose. And whether it was mm-hmm. joy or courage or laughter or adventure or strength, resilience, whatever it was, and that became my theme of the day. And what ha- what that did for me is that those days when I might have started feeling the darkness come in, I would acknowledge it and then I would say, but today I'm choosing joy. And so then I would mm-hmm. find I would focus on something that was bringing me joy, whether it was sunshine, whether my, you know, little niece texted me to say she loved me, whether even in the infusion room when you know, my mom would just give me a hug or she'd, you know, like she'd say something and we'd burst out laughing or whatever. So anyway, that mantra became so important to me. And then COVID hit and I started recognizing and seeing how much people were mentally struggling themselves or emotionally struggling and i was started sharing with people well this is my mantra and this is what it's doing for me and then i just decided to get creative and i created affirmation cards and so a whole deck of 52 cards and then i went so far i love journaling and i find great power in journaling journaling so i created a journal with writing prompts um and then that kind of like just exploded into different things so yeah so then i just Decided to start an online store. And that's um, today I choose um, the website today I choose series.com, but it has a whole list of things. And I keep adding, in fact, I'm really excited. I'm getting ready to launch an IM affirmation card deck and a few mindfulness card decks. So some things are more things are coming to that. But, um, and that's been, you know, having people, I've had more people reach out to me. What I really love is a number of people have said they give the cards and journal as gifts that they're yes. helping and I think oh my gosh like that is like that just makes me so happy to know that we're spreading the love you know that's always been my Oh my gosh
1: goal. that's the perfect gift honestly I mean especially around the holidays or anytime yeah. to be able to give the I am cards or something that can inspire them or give them some motivation or intention of their day yeah. you know positive intention yeah. so I love that and is there a percentage that you that you also contribute to an organization
2: I do. So typically at the end of the year, I do a percentage of my proceeds to like 15% of my proceeds to a cancer charity that mm-hmm. I have, you know, good connection with that I trust. I've been a volunteer and advocate for 25 years. So I've worked with a lot of different organizations and and found a lot that are very passionate to my, my love. So I always want to give back. It's just a purpose that I, I want to do with my life. I'm so grateful and so joyful to be alive. I mean, every day I wake up and mm-hmm. I just think, oh man, am I happy to be alive? There is mm-hmm. not a moment that goes by that I don't feel gratitude. So um, that's a, yeah. So I just want to always be able to give back.
1: <laughs> Wow. I mean, think about that. Just really think into that, you know, mm-hmm. being so close, not knowing what your future holds and being so grateful to have a second chance first chance, second chance, third chance. chance. (laughs) Right. Third chance. I mean, that's, Uh, it's really unbelievable. Yeah.
2: And it seems so simple when you say like, I'm happy to be alive, but um, it's, I think it's often something that we take for granted, right? That we take for granted that breath. And I think our Mm -hmm. health is one of the number one things we take for granted until we have something that jeopardizes that health or something. And so yeah. So that's always been my passion. And I try, I really try to make that as my message. And one of the really important messages for me, you know, especially as a cancer survivor, but even if you're not a cancer survivor is we talked a little bit that one of my themes was also um, living beyond cancer. And that's always, I love that theme. I adapted it in my, you know, when I was 21 because, and it's, it's whether you're in treatment or not in treatment or wherever you are, whether you're a caregiver or anybody who's been impacted by the disease, it's that we are living beyond this disease, even if you're in the middle of treatment. It's it's kind of like I was saying when I was in the middle of infusion, you know, my mom and I would be laughing. Or when I went through bone cancer, I mean, I had more, I had a party a couple times in the, you know, in my hospital room because, or it was just, okay, what am I going to do today? Or, you know, in the middle of treatment, I would go to a Red Wings game or I would, you know, just something outside of it. Because while it, it's probably the, one thing I think about every day is, you know, being a survivor just because it, it obviously impacted my life, but it also like, I want, I'm so much more than a cancer survivor. And oh, I love like, that. So much more than whether anybody, right. Whether you're, you know, you've been divorced or you're a mom or, you know, you're this, or you're that, like we're so much more than just one title. We're these beautiful people that can be so much. And we just have to like embrace all of the things we can be.
1: That is beautiful. I am so glad that you shared that because I love that. I am so much more. I mean, think about the power in that. Mm -hmm. that Everyone's listening to that. I am so much more than just this or just that, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: And it really does. I mean, I feel like it opens up like so much in my life, at least for me personally, like it, when I say that, like, I am, I am so much more than this, or I am more than this, it opens you up to all of these opportunities or these possibilities or, you know, all of these things. And you just never know. I, I mean, the one thing about cancer is it has taught me that I have thrown my arms open to so many things. I have gotten out of my comfort zone because quite frankly, sometimes if I'm getting nervous about like A date or a job interview or whatever it might be, I think to myself,
1: girl, you have cleared cancer. Pretty
2: sure
3: something you can do.
1: Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. In fact, I've said this on a few other shows. It's almost like the wisdom that we have because it is wisdom. It's wisdom and challenges and survival for you. But, you know, when you think about it, if you're nervous about something or you're afraid of this or whatever, it's like, wait a minute. After yeah. what I've been through, this is nothing. This yeah. is, I mean, I can totally do this.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, and words matter. I'm a big proponent of, I mean, I'm, I'm a word person, obviously the, what I do for a living and my passion, but I'm a word person and words matter. And even like when I talk about cancer, I say I cleared cancer. I didn't say I had cancer. Or I have cancer or anything like that. I mm. say I
3: cleared
2: it because boom, the second I got that diagnosis, it was like, well, it's gone. So, I mean, that is just how I approached it. And it lightened up it's amazing how the words that we use for ourselves and to others, how it can either heavy or it can lighten it.
1: Right. And it's the words that we choose to use because clearing does have a a lighter, more positive feeling, energy about it. Yeah. So is this some of the things, are these some of the things that, and we're going to take a break in a second here, but are these some of the things that you teach or that you actually speak on? Because I know you've done keynotes, you've done Uh, seminars. You've done workshops. You've spoke out at organizations and things like that. So we'll talk a little bit more about that about the break because I do want people to know that, and I I know a lot of them do know this because everybody listening to the show is really into personal growth and personal empowerment. But you know, coming from from you, that you know you've been through so much, you really had to really dig deep to find the positive side mm-hmm. of something, the silver lining, the faith, the mm-hmm. hope, the strength. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back right after that.
3: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
0: Tune in to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership, a dynamic radio show celebrating women across all venues of education. Join us as we elevate diverse perspectives and success stories of trailblazing educators, highlighting that leadership is not always about a title. Discover strategies to overcome challenges and hear amazing stories of strength. Empowering Women in Educational Leadership with Dr. Stephanie Duca, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
1: You have the power to be stronger, live fearlessly, and enjoy the benefits of a great life. Listen for Fearlessly Authentic with host Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody has proven at an age when many start to slow down that she is just getting started. With two grown daughters, a successful business that she started at 50, a finalist in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, and a two time world bikini champion, she's ready to take you to the next
2: level in your life. Fearlessly Authentic airs Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment.
3: Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio.
0: Welcome back to Up Close and Empowered with Sana Johns. Have a question for Sana or guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Hi,
1: I'm Sana Johns back with Uplows and Empowered with Heather Hall, and we're talking about surviving and clearing cancer and life beyond cancer, and that it can be amazing. And Heather is a huge advocate for bringing self awareness about and helping people with their mindset, not only if they have this disease or know somebody, but anybody that's going through life challenges in any way, shape or form. So she is very passionate about teaching mindset and speaking out on mindset. And I thought that maybe you could share some of the things that you teach or what you talk about, maybe two, three, five things, whatever you feel that our listeners would really benefit from.
2: Absolutely. Well, what I love about um focusing on the mindset is one is you know we we hear sometimes in society nowadays about like toxic positivity and everything. And so my belief is that you can still be positive and still address like the negative side, right? Like it's not um we don't want to dismiss even when I talk about being positive during cancer treatment. I mean, make no mistake, that was the most horrific experience of my life and it's a very mm-hmm. negative thing. However, there's so much research in the in that has been done on the fact that you know positive attitudes and gratitude and all of that it actually helps improve everything. And interestingly enough, what I thought was most fascinating is that we actually train our brains to be negative. The more we like think it, the more we you know respond to it and all of that. We're training it, so we can do the opposite by training our brains to be positive. And I found that in all of the experiences that I have been through, I no, my mindset is what has helped me get through everything because our mindset affects our physical health, our emotional health. I mean, it affects every part of it. So it doesn't matter if you're going through cancer or, you know, you're having a bad day, like a career, whatever it might be. I have people contacting me all the time, whether they're, Mm -hmm. you know, struggling in their career or whatever. And I kind of mentor them and we talk about it. So some of my tricks is I'm really big on gratitude. And what I found is that every night, and I still do this, but I started this when I went through treatment. Every night I use my journal and I will write down at least three things that I'm grateful for that happened in that day. So I'm focusing on the day. And sometimes I can write more than three. And other times I'm like, oh, it's not really that good of a day. But at the end of the day, there's still always something we can be grateful for. Mm -hmm. You could even write down I'm alive and breathing right now. That's a massive thankful for. But it could be the sun is shining. It could be this. So what happens is that it's you, it starts getting you into this habit of focusing on gratitude. So for me, I do it so often that I'll be in the middle of it. I was driving home today from a doctor's appointment and I was like looking and I was like, Oh, I'm so grateful that, you know, the sun is out or I'm so grateful the song came on. I love it. And it's funny because it's just now natural for me to do it, but it instantly lightens my mood too. Mm -hmm. So that's one strategy I do. And then I am also a big, um, advocate of i am statements they are i think especially we often it's funny sometimes how we talk we're so positive and and really like coach and pep other people up but how often are we not saying nice things to ourselves you know we have that internal voice that will be like you're unworthy or oh my god why did you do that that was dumb or you know this thing so i like i am statements and i will say like i make i think they're very very powerful in changing our mindset so it's you know saying I am happy. I am good at, you know, whatever I am, you know, those things. And I do it sometimes when I'm brushing my teeth, I look in a mirror and I'm thinking them out. I'm not really talking to the brush my teeth, but you know, I'm thinking them Mm -hmm. out loud or there's power in looking at yourself. I know some people have pushed back to me and said, that's super awkward, but Mm -hmm. I think there's power in looking at yourself and saying, you know, I'll say I am healthy. I am feeling good. And it's important to remember that it's okay to feel good. Like, even when you're in the middle of a challenge, even when you're struggling through something, it's okay to feel good. Like, give yourself permission to feel it. Because the more we embrace and accept how good it is to feel good, it just becomes this natural thing. And then, you know, also, again, it comes back to that power of choice. As you know, we've talked about my mantra, today I choose, but it's that power of choice. So... You can choose to feel good, but I mean, I get it. You can also choose not to. That's a choice too. So right.
1: And some people have guilt about feeling absolutely. good. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, Yeah, yeah. like the people, yeah. ple- you know, people pleasing too much and not taking yeah. time out for self care that they actually have guilt about it, but it's okay.
2: Yes, absolutely. And you know, one of the, one of the workshops that I teach, which is, it's such an interesting workshop. It's actually on self-advocacy. And it's, you know, it's today I choose you is actually what I call it. And it's being a self-advocate for yourself in the sense of relationship boundaries, like even for your health care. how you, it doesn't matter what your health history is. You know, I mean, your health is your most important part. Um, it's drawing boundaries when you're, you know, self-care, all of these things. And what's so interesting to me is when I teach this, this workshop, it's always interesting because I, I make it interactive and I'll ask questions and I'll do this. And the beginning of it, people are kind of like, well, I can't, I don't really want to do that. Cause then I feel guilty or I, mm-hmm. you know, so we ease into that. And by the end it's, you know, like, okay, what are you going to choose for self-care? And everybody's got an answer then, you know, it's like, they're, they're kind of into that. So it's interesting to see how, like you said, we sometimes resist taking care of ourselves, but if we don't take care of ourselves, we cannot absolutely cannot take care of other people, whether you're in a relationship, you're a parent, you're a leader, at you know, job, friend, anybody, whoever, you just can't. If you can't, if your own, you know, if you're not fulfilled internally, then you're not going to be able to help people externally.
1: 100%. As we know, our inner world affects our outer world. So we have to be good within ourselves, and definitely taking care of our mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. And I know that you also speak out on mental health issues. So a lot of these things that you are teaching and advocating, are they have to do with mental health, which is a big thing right now ever since COVID. I mean, it's always been around, of course, but it's sure. it's stepped up a bit since COVID. So I want our listeners to know that, uh, that you're also a very good resource for that as well. Mm-hmm. And so What advice would you give someone that is either going through this type of situation, they actually have the disease or somebody close to them? You know, what is the first thing someone should do? Where can they reach out? What are some good resources and what's, what are some good, what's some good advice that you could tell them?
2: Absolutely. So, oh, so for someone who's, you know, first diagnosed, I think my, my first advice would just would be take a breath. Like just Mm -hmm. pause and take a deep breath because it's really overwhelming. And there were many times, even when I was in the middle of treatment, one of um, my tricks was literally putting my hand on my heart and, you know, feeling that heartbeat and taking Mm -hmm. a deep breath, holding and letting it go. But for me, feeling that heartbeat brought it all home that it was like, okay, girl, we're here. Everything's Mm -hmm. going to be fine because that heart is still beating. So, um, but then with that, there's a lot of different resources out there. I have a blog um, that I started about 15 years ago that um, I host a lot of, there's a ton of resources on my blog. In fact, people could go to it's heathershangout.com and it talks, I actually have a free resource for if you're newly diagnosed, but um, so it's important to make sure you have, you're comfortable with your doctor, you know, you have the right diagnosis, you fully understand it. Um, be in the question of everything. I ask numerous questions of every single doctor. In fact, I carry an orange notebook around to every doctor's appointment, and it's gotten to the point where some of my doctors are like, "Oh, um, where's your notebook? Don't you have any questions for me?" <laughs> They're no used to it. So, you know, it's again just making sure you're fully informed. I, I think often um, we feel like we can't ask questions uh, but keep in mind, this is our life and this is our health. But with that, I always encourage people to bring somebody with them to a doctor's appointment so that mm-hmm. you have two sets of ears. because sometimes when you're getting news, you might want to tune out or it might just be overwhelming. And mm-hmm. so um, like, I, like I always took my mom or my sisters or my dad with me and they would always be, you know, making notes or whatever. And then if you're a caregiver or a family or family or friend my biggest advice is be supportive. Don't, um, I, I don't talk more than you
1: listen. Don't, you know, uh, I love it. I love that. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, to, su- to support and listen yeah. and just your presence yeah. of just caring. Yep.
2: Yeah. Right. And, and everybody has an opinion. So when you are diagnosed, um, you hear an opinion on every decision you will ever make. I know when <laughs> I, I had a lumpectomy, um, not a mastectomy. And a number of people were like, why did you have a mastectomy? And it was like, well, that wouldn't change my outcome. That wouldn't, that's not what was wrong. And then I decided when I cold cap to save my hair, I was fascinated by the, 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 I, don't, I guess I'd say negative feedback, but people are like, oh, I think you'd look great, bald. And I was like, well, I know I would because I lost my hair for 15 months. And then finally I had to catch myself where I was like, oh my God, why am I justifying? Like I don't have, and I would just, I started saying and said, thank you for your perspective or thank you for yes. your input or thank you. So that's probably another really big piece of advice to somebody just to say, you're gonna get a lot. Some of it is incredibly helpful. I have had phenomenal mm-hmm. advice. But I have had to learn how to, you know, decipher it because, and mm-hmm. I always said it to me when somebody asked me, you know, oh, did you have this treatment or did you do this or what would you do? I always say, hey, I don't give out medical advice to anybody. I will share my story and what worked for me. That may not work for you. Because like mm-hmm. I said, I, I did not need a mastectomy. I had a lumpectomy, you know, I changed mm-hmm. that. So, um, but there's a lot, there's great organizations. Livestrong is one of them. American Cancer Society is another, National Coalition of Cancer Survivorships, phenomenal organizations, Immerman Angels. Um, there's so many great organizations out there that will provide information. And they have triage cancer is a great free resources, um, legal stuff, employment stuff, all of that I highly recommend. And like I said, I have a ton of blog posts that lists a lot of information,
1: fertility assistance, all of that. So that might be a good okay. starting point. So heathershangout.com. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. heathershangout.com. It's also your Instagram handle. Yeah. And then you have some other sites, but you're just going to start with that. So if anybody needs to reach out, they can contact you uh, at that blog yeah. yes. and ask any information or whatever. If anybody wants to book you for their event, uh, they can reach out to you yeah. there as well. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, thank you. So so in closing, so we have just a few minutes left. I'm just wrapping up here. Um, what words of wisdom based on everything that you've gone through like what would you want to leave our listeners with today based on everything you've gone through all the wisdom all the survival mm-hmm. what what are the words that you would want to leave with them today love your life and live your life i mean you know
2: choose remember that you have choice mm-hmm. you know so choose to throw your arms open to the world Choose to be in the question, choose to go after and be grateful for it, you know, and really focus on, focus on the possibilities, focus on, try to um, train your brain to focus on the possibilities over. We live in a society that tends to lean into negativity and judgment and all of that. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. my, my um, thing is, what if, what if we could be bold enough to be different
1: Yes, I love that. I love that. Well, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, Heather and I are in a women's group organization that is a platform across the country. We have workshops and there's all types of modalities as therapists, coaches, um, healers, it's it's really a wide array. And so for those of you that want to check out that, that's the SheHiveOfficial.com. And also myself, so saunalife.com for people that would like to reach out to me, if you'd like to work together or just have a discovery call, please feel free to contact me at my website, which is com S-O-N-N-A. Uh, soundoflife.com. Sorry, sonolife.com. <laughs> and also, uh, it, I'd like feedback. I love to hear feedback from the show and what you like, what you'd like to hear more about. It's always great to hear that. And uh, so in next week, so I'm really excited. Uh, This is a completely different... Every show, I try to mix it up a little bit, give a variety uh, in the world of empowerment. And next week, I have a special guest that's in the health and fitness arena and uh, was an owner of a very big franchise that many of you will know. So I'm really excited for you to hear her story because it's very interesting. So that will be next week. And I just want to thank Heather for being here today on the show. I... Truly enjoyed your presence, your story, your inspiration. I'm sure I can speak for everyone and uh, just thank you so much. And thank you, listeners. Thank you for uh, supporting the show. And with that, have a great rest
0: of the day. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Up Close and Empowered with Sana John's. We hope that after listening today, it's inspired you to discover and cultivate your true inner power and consciously create your life. Tune in next week for another impactful episode.